0: listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Friday to you, heading into the weekend. Got some more Bachelor Nation stories for you. We thought this one was solved, but apparently it isn't, or maybe it is. I don't know. Big brother news last night, eviction night, double eviction. Uh, And I want to talk a little fantasy football and another death. On the original cast of 90210, you know that hits me hard. So we will get to that momentarily. As you know, this podcast brought to you by Dame Products. Try adding a toy into the mix and discover new layers of pleasure you can share plus sex that you will look forward to. Trust me on this one. When you think of vibrators, you think of Reality Steve. Use that code, Reality Steve. Take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. That's promo code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. So let's get right into it. A couple of things from yesterday's podcast. Once again, not that I misspoke, but I guess I wasn't making myself very clear on things. Happens a lot. I've noticed that when I do a 20-minute podcast every day now, I just say things And even though I have notes in front of me, sometimes I'm looking directly at the notes. Like last week when I was looking at Big Brother stuff, and I literally had Terrence written in my notes, yet I was saying Michael. And I didn't even realize it until you pointed it out to me, a few of you. So I'm going to get some things wrong, and it's not a major thing. But one thing I wanted to go over in regards to what I said yesterday in regards to Matt James, the thing – or. In regards to a, a new bachelor and, and my take, that I think they should just go with somebody new. And I said they haven't had a recycled bachelor since Brad Womack 1.0. And a lot of you, you know, emailed in, and rightfully so. You did say, hey, Steve, Matt James wasn't a recycled bachelor. I, I think my point, what I was saying was somebody new. I didn't make that totally clear because I kept saying the word recycled. So I get what you were saying. I was saying that the next Bachelor has to be, or should be, in my opinion, just do somebody new that we haven't seen before. And you could say, yes, Matt wasn't recycled. However, Matt was set to be on Claire's season before the pandemic hit. Like, the audience had seen a picture of him as a possible cast member for Claire's season. And we also knew him as Tyler Cameron's best friend. He wasn't somebody that was completely out of the blue. That's what I was kind of... Alluding to was let's get a bachelor announcement where when they announce it, nobody knows who he is outside of his friends and family because he's not famous and he's not a celebrity and he's not an athlete. It's just a guy. That's what I was trying to get at. But I get why you said, hey, Steve, Matt wasn't recycled. He wasn't. But we knew who he was when you made the announcement. I guess you can even say more of the diehard fans knew who he was because he was in the cast list that was announced for Claire's season before the pandemic hit, and we knew him as Tyler Cameron's best friend. So a year before that, he was on the Internet. He was seen in a lot of photos and videos with Tyler Cameron, somebody who has the most followers in all of Bachelor Nation for any male. So people knew who he was. That's what I was trying to get at. My actual screw-up when I said that was I was actually wrong that Brad Womack was the last recycled lead that they've ever had. He wasn't. I totally forgot Matt Grant was after Brad Womack, the season after him. Matt Grant aired in 2008, which kind of goes along to my whole point of this. 2008 was the last time they announced a Bachelor that nobody knew anything about, and they just said, here's our Bachelor. Here's a guy from England. We fixed his teeth for you and spent $15,000 on it, and here he is. Matt Grant, financier, whatever the hell he was. You know, 2008, it's the last time. Like, come on. We can we can take a new guy. It doesn't have to be. I get the recycled deal. I get they have a built-in storyline and you want your audience to care about your new lead. I get all of that. But 2008, that's almost 15 years ago, which would mean two seasons a year, 30, 30 seasons ago. La- yesterday I said it was 20 seasons. It's actually been closer to 30 seasons where we couldn't get anybody where they just said, hey, here's a guy. We like him. We think he's a he, we think he's a catch. He's our new bachelor. I, I don't I don't get it. I think they should. Will they? Probably not. We're probably gonna get another recycled lead. And I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna probably ask for it every season. But will they listen to me? No, of course not. It's just my opinion. I think they should do it. It's not gonna hurt anybody. Everything's down across the board on network television. You try to two bachelorette format, that blew. Format and the filming was terrible of it. no fault to Rachel or Gabby. It's not their fault. The show just did a poor job of how they handled the season. So why not just throw a new guy in there and see what happens if it bombs and go back to your recycled leads? Who cares? You know, but we'll see what happens i I doubt it's going to. The other thing I want to talk about is what I brought up yesterday. Again, I probably didn't make myself clear based on a couple emails that I got, but I will say this in, in regards to the story that I said, I've been working on. I have not heard from the subject. I have not heard from her. She hasn't responded to my last five texts. That's usually not never a good sign because she responded to everything for the first month when we were planning uh, to do this story. So basically where I'm at right now is it's probably not going to happen. I, I, would just be shocked if she came to me and said, Oh yeah, sorry. I've been busy. Let's do it like that. That doesn't happen. It usually doesn't happen that way. I'd be it'd be great if it did. I just have a hard time believing that's what's going to happen next. So um, I did want to say, like I said yesterday, I was, think- was kind of thinking out loud of like, well, if we do it anonymously, is that something we can do? And then I said, you know what? Morally, if we don't end up doing this interview morally, I just don't know if I can stand by and do nothing what i was insinuating was that i was going to take it into my own hands and do something behind the scenes not publicly like somehow get to somebody put this story in front of somebody behind the scenes not her, not including her not including her name nothing but somebody needs to be notified i.e. the show and if i did it i would do it behind the scenes and nobody would never know and you're and you know i i would just start tempering all your expectations of probably hearing the story. Cause it doesn't look like it's going to happen anymore. I can't force anybody to text me back. It's just not going to happen. So it's probably not going to happen, but morally, like I said, I, I want to, I can't just sit here and do nothing. And when I say that, that didn't mean I was going to go behind her back and post the story without her permission. No, I was saying morally behind the scenes I'm going to do something. What that is, there's a couple options I have and I'm exploring those. So unfortunately I don't think it'll ever get out. So I, you know, I, I guess the moral of the story is for me, no matter how confident someone seems in doing an interview and telling a story, it's never really a story until I actually record the interview. And like I said, if you would have told me a month ago that she would back out, I would have said you're crazy based on everything that she was telling me and everything that was going on. And it looks like that she has, you know, so there's nothing else I can do. But anything that I do going forward, if I even do anything going forward, um, will be done behind the scenes if there's no interview done. So sorry about all that. We move on to Slusgate. I thought this thing was over. So, for those that don't remember, back during the first season of the pandemic, Claire's season of The Bachelorette, which filmed in July, started filming in July of 2020, they pushed the season back. Obviously, it was supposed to start in March. That's when the pandemic hit. They pushed it back to July, and they did it in Palm Springs. Okay, we all know this, right? Her season started filming July 17th, I believe. And then we know Claire only lasted a couple weeks on the show, and they brought Tasha in. Well... A picture got out during that time, posted by Us Weekly, that Hannah Ann Sluss was on set in a golf cart. It certainly looked like Hannah Ann. She had a mask on, so you couldn't really tell. But hair color, body type, just sitting in the golf cart, it looked like Hannah Ann. And they reported it as Hannah Ann, so everybody just assumed, oh, Hannah Ann was in the golf cart. Now, we never understood why, because I went back and looked and Googled it. Us Weekly posted that August 4th. Tayshia had already taken over as the bachelorette by then. So it even at the time when I saw it, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's probably Hannah Ann, but I don't know what she's doing there. Tayshia's already the bachelorette. They're not going to do a double or triple bachelorette because, remember, Becca Kufrin was also seen there. So it never made any sense to me why she was there. Anyway, a couple weeks ago when Katie was doing her Q&A, she made a comment about um, you know, people were asking for tea and stuff like that, and Katie said something to the effect of maybe not the hottest tea, but I laugh at y'all thinking you know who this is, and it was a screenshot of that picture of Hannah Ann in the golf cart. Supposedly Hannah Ann in the golf cart. Claire followed up with, "I was ten feet away. I knew exactly who that is." So then, Slusgate became a thing because everyone for two years just assumed it was Hannah Ann because that's what was reported. Katie and Claire seemingly insinuate that, no, it wasn't. Well, yesterday, Hannah Ann goes on the, whose podcast was it? I don't want to get it wrong here. Was it Clickbaits? Yeah, Clickbaits podcast. And she said, that was me. The funny part of it is that, like, I don't care. No one else cares. I think only a few people actually care. It's just not a big deal. No one has to believe me at all. But she thought calling the speculation was strange. She said... But if that's how someone wants to use their spare time, then go for it. I just thought it was funny because no one actually knows the real reason why I was there. So that's, like, the best part is people thinking they know the reason, but they actually don't. So I guess now we're back to, yeah, it was Hannah Ann, what we originally suspected the whole time. I think it was. She has no reason to lie two years later. I don't see what she gains by lying, considering she never even appeared on that season. She certainly wasn't the Bachelorette. I don't really get it, but she went on clickbait and said that. So now, Hannah Ann, I guess, was that girl in La Quinta on the golf cart with <laughs> the mask. Sounds like a game of clue, but yeah, I believe her. I' have no reason to lie. I don't know why katie and and Claire f- decided to say what they did. I don't know maybe they maybe they're confused, maybe they knew, but Hannah Ann went on and said that's me, so I guess there're probably gonna be people out there that still choose not to believe her. I don't understand what she would have to lie about in this situation. I'm just wondering, like, she just came out yesterday on Clickbait and admitted it was her. Great. But she can't even tell us why? <laughs> she's certainly out of contract. That was two years ago. Why can't she just say, yeah, it was me. I was there for da-da-da-da-da. That's why I was there. It's like she's leaving people hanging by just not even saying it. Just let people know. I can't imagine it's that big of a deal. He never even showed up on that season. I don't get it. Anyway, that's it. I guess we are finally at the end of Slussgate. All right, moving on to Big Brother last night. Double eviction, and the only thing that was really up in the air to me last night heading into the episode was what was Terrence doing putting Kyle up? I still don't really understand why he put Kyle up. I heard his explanation last night. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me if you were ultimately still targeting Joseph. I don't get it, but that's what ended up happening. We knew that Jasmine was going home in the Brochella house, and now we've got um, Joseph gone, which makes the most sense. Now, the question now becomes, there's eight people left in the house. Technically, what, six of them are non-leftovers. That would be uh, Alyssa and Terrence. But Terrence now knows about the leftovers, and it could be a thing that they just spent a week together and they're all gung-ho. Yeah, yeah, alliance, 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 and Terrence and Turner and Kyle and Alyssa really are going to go back into the house as a strong four, and all they would need to do is pull one person from the other side over, and they now have the 5-3 majority of, what are they calling themselves, the after party? (laughs) So now we got the leftovers, the after party. I mean, who knows if the after party is strong. It's strong right now because they literally just spent a week together outside. I'm sure there was bonding and happening and, and whatnot, but... You just don't know. How many how many alliances have already fallen apart? The Five Steppers is done. They wanted to, the, you know, Monty and... Not Monty. Um, Daniel and Nicole had made themselves... The two-person alliance that they named themselves in the first week of the show. that said, we're going all the way to the end. And they, you know, didn't even make it to jury. It's just... Everybody makes alliances. And most of the time... They don't work, or they get broken up. So we'll see. We'll see if Terrence, Turner, Kyle and Alyssa really stay together, pull one person over, if not two, Michael and Brittany, and those six can control the game and get the next two out, which would be Monty and Taylor. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where this is headed, but it sure is interesting. It's, I've really enjoyed this season, and right now, because he didn't get eliminated, Kyle has the biggest checkmark on his resume for the season in terms of gameplay. Michael's been dominating in terms of strategy and comp wins, but and HOHs and power veto, all this stuff. He's blowing everybody away on that. But Kyle just made the biggest move of the game, and it's worked at least through one eviction ceremony. We'll see what happens going forward, but it's going to be interesting to watch that. I'm, I'm fired up because I'm really, I'm really enjoying this season. I want to touch on something also that's being brought to my attention right now, and it's being out there on Instagram. A few of you have emailed me, and that's the whole clearing the lists for teachers. And here's my stance on it. I don't have the time to do what Ashley Spivey does, and honestly, I don't. Ashley Spivey is pregnant. I believe she has COVID again right now, and yet here she is every single day putting lists together, emails together, giving you links to donate to teachers to help clear their lists for their school years. Go to Ashley Spivey's Instagram account if you want to help and donate in any sort of way, and... My thing is that I just don't have the time to do this. I know a few of you teachers have emailed me and said, "Hey, can you share this?" And it's just like it's not that I don't want to share it. It's just that if I do one, I have to do a thousand because then I'm just isolating one or two, and it just doesn't. I, and that never sits well with me because it doesn't. I don't know them personally. If it was somebody I knew personally, then I would do it. But I, I, I don't, I, I don't do it. I let Ashley do it, and I help by clearing some of the lists that Ashley puts out there. I cle—I cleared two teachers lists and I'm probably going to do a third and maybe a fourth uh, in the next couple weeks because she's got a lot on her lists. And if you can donate in anything, you don't have to clear their whole list, but if you can donate a couple, you know, crayons or markers, whatever, there's so many teachers on that list. Go to her Instagram page. You'll see a link for a Google spreadsheet that has all the teachers that still need their list cleared. If you can donate in any way, that'd be huge. And that's my contribution to this. I'm sorry, I just don't have the time to personally retweet teachers who tweet at me and say, "Hey, can you help spread the word and clear my list?" I just, I I think it's so admirable what Ashley does every season. So I'm going to support that, and I'm going to direct you to there because there's a lot of teachers on that list. Obviously, she can't do every teacher that's interested. That'd be physically impossible. But here's a woman who's pregnant and who just got COVID again, it seems like, and she's still doing this. All the props in the world to Ashley, and um, donate if you can. I wanted to um, touch on something that is prevalent this time of year, every year, and that's fantasy football. No, I'm not going to talk about my team that I drafted on Tuesday night, which is probably the greatest fantasy team ever drafted. No, I'm kidding. But no, what I'm saying is, I know a lot of you play fantasy football, and here's my tips for fantasy football. Not in terms of players. I'm not telling you who to draft or who the sleepers are or whatever. I will say this: if you're doing any sort of substantial fantasy league, I'm not talking about like twenty bucks a month, friends. Fine, you know, obviously you can do those. But if you're in a substantial league where at least the entry fee is a hundred bucks a person, hundred bucks or more, I can't stress enough how much you need to get rid of the snake draft. I think the snake draft is so old and so tired, which is where you have 10 teams, you have 12 teams, whatever. Let's say you have a 10 team league and, you know, you draw out of a hat and oh, this team gets the first pick and then you get the second pick and everybody gets, you know, one pick in the first round and then it goes in a snake formation where if you have the 10th pick, you have the 10th and 11th pick back to back and then you have the first pick, you don't pick till pick number 20 again. That is such a tired way to do it. I'm just telling you, any league owners out there, you need to switch to an auction draft. It's so much more interesting, and everybody has a shot at the best players. Like, Isn't that what you want? Everybody gets a shot at the best players as opposed to it's the luck of the draw if you draw one or two. like If you draw one or two, yeah, you have a shot at Christian McCaffrey or um, Jonathan Taylor, but if you draw five or more, probably four or more, you have zero chance to get those guys because – They just have already been off the board. But if it's an auction draft and you have fake money and everyone gets a fake budget for my league, it's $100, fake money. The entry fee is more than that, but it's fake money. You have $100 of fake money to put your team together. So anybody can bid on anybody as long as you have money available. And it's so much better, so much more fun, so much more trash talking. Do it if you can. Any fantasy league owners change to that. And then the other thing that we added this year that we changed, we know that fantasy football is all about offense. It's all you care about is the most points. Getting as many points as possible in any given week. But with fantasy football, a lot of luck is involved because you could have a great week and your team can score 156 points. But all it takes is the other team you're playing that particular week to score 157 and you lose and your record goes to 0-1. And so what we did in our, my league is this: it, is we changed it this year, which is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how it works out. I think I know it's going to work out well because I've heard it does in other leagues. But in our league, you still have your head-to-head matchup every week. There's 12 teams in our league. So six teams are going to win every week. Six teams are going to lose. But there is a second record that you get. The top six scoring teams during the week get a win, and the bottom six scoring teams get a loss. So you could go 2-0 and in a week. You can go 1-1. and or you can go 0-2. Basically, it prevents the team that gets has a really good week who scores a lot of points but happens to lose to somebody who put up more points that week versus a team that won 89-77. to They go 1-0, and and you're 0-1 but scored 160 points, almost doubled that team's points. But you lost because you happened to play somebody who put a lot of points up. In this new system, assuming that score that you had was in the top six, You go one and one, which in our league, 500 is usually a playoff spot at the end of the year. So it really prevents against that. And I can just point to our league last year. We had a guy who had the third most points in the league, yet he was five and nine on the season. Yet he scored the third most points. It just means that he had so many weeks where he had a great week, yet he played somebody who just did that much better. And it prevents against that. I think adding that to the league is going to make it much more interesting and much more fair. Because all fantasy football is is just, hey, score the most points. So you should be rewarded if you have a good team that scores a lot of points. It shouldn't just be luck of, well, I played somebody this week who scored one more than me or five more than me or ten more than me. So incorporate that in your league as well. I'm looking forward to it. And I want to just end on this note. Um, You know I'm a huge 90210 fan. I'm actually going to be on a podcast, a 90210-related podcast, I believe next week I'm recording it on someone else's and um sad news that came down Joey Tata Nat Basiccio from nine oh two and oh died through complications of Alzheimer's yesterday at the age of eighty five. I mean you can't you can't think of that show without thinking of Nat Basiccio. The Peach Pit. He made the burgers. He was everybody's right-hand man to go to when they were having issues with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. It just, obviously, we knew he was getting old. I think when I saw him in the last interview he did, he didn't sound well. And I could tell he was struggling. But, yeah, to see that he passed away. And earlier, I think last week, or maybe it was earlier this week, Miss Teasley uh, from the high school years, she passed away. I mean – you probably saw it if you follow any of them on Instagram. They all did Brian Austin Green, Tori Spelling, Jenny Garth. They all did dedications to Miss Teasley and yesterday, Joe E. Tata. So rest in peace, Nat Basiccio. You are an absolute Peach Pit legend. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you all enjoy your weekend. We will be back here on Monday next week. So have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you all for listening. I'll talk to you then. See ya.